Welcome to Uncle Form Podcast. This is a 30-ish minute podcast created to celebrate and showcase diversity within Black Male Thought. I'm Darius Watkins. Yep, I'm Ryan Thomas. Hey, and we are live. What's good, Ryan? Man, I'm doing pretty good, man. Just uh, at this point, you know, the whole world is watching this George Floyd case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that the evidence and the witnesses and all the information that's being shared about this case is it's not looking good for Derek Chauvin, in my opinion. I actually think he actually might do some prison time, you know, and that that's me being as objective as I can be as like uh, just watching the case and, and reading up on the summaries of everything. But, you know, man, what I, what I don't like about it is just the demonization of black men. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like the oldest trick in the book, like saying that he was on Percocet, saying he was drunk, saying he was using counterfeit money. You know, it's, it's an old trick to try to sway people into believing that the scary black man, you know, deserved to die, you know? And so in a way, in a way, George Floyd is on trial himself, whether or not he was an innocent man or a guilty man based off of his character. Meanwhile, you have like um, serial killers who may be white, you know, who make it to prison in one piece, you know, um, they'll, they'll be arrested, they'll be taken in and they, they'll get there safely. Um, where so I think I think for me like it's a very I think for the entire world this is a very emotional case um, just because everybody saw it everybody saw him die it's pretty obvious what happened and the way that they're dancing around this process is it, it's weird I think it's really weird the way they're doing it I mean due process is what we need right but I, I just can't handle the way that the defense is is working this case. And that's just me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't think everybody saw it. I think some people choose not to watch Black Man Die, which is like a choice that's probably wise for a lot of people. Um, I guess I've seen like bits and pieces, but I hadn't seen the whole thing because, I mean, it's not going to do me any good to watch another Black Man Die, honestly. So I can honestly say I didn't I didn't see it. Um, I've, I've seen screenshots. I've seen, you know, things that I didn't intentionally try to see, but I definitely didn't go out of my way to try to see it. And uh, for you people who say, you know, Watch the watch the whole thirty minute video. You are a clown. Um, but um, I didn't even know. <laughs> they, I didn't even know it was thirty minutes. But mm-hmm. similar to you, I didn't watch the entire murder video either. Mm-hmm. Back yeah. when it came out. Yeah. But you know, I, I think the last thing I said is like, you know how like how important it is to put forth that people will be punished for bad actions, mm-hmm. right? You remember when you were a kid and you had a substitute teacher, and like. You had that one bad kid that was like acting up and you didn't see the substitute teacher kind of handle it. So everybody just kept acting up and then the class just got worse, you know. Mm-hmm. But then if you had a substitute teacher that came in and didn't play, mm-hmm. it was going to call your mama if he was acting up. Then it kind of told everybody like, man, you know what? Let's chill. This substitute teacher is about their life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what this is. This is what this is what this is. Like we need to send forth a message that, man, you know, bad behavior will be punished if you're a police officer. Uh, and you're killing people without, you know, just on the street, like you're, kill, you're killing people, you're you're not doing your job correctly, then you're going to be punished. And so that's my last thought, man. I just think this is a big case. I think this is important. And, and, and you know, at this point, what's it, April the 3rd, while we're recording this. So by the time this comes out, you know, maybe we'll be somewhere else with it. Yeah. And I think the flip side is that some people will say that it's, it's, it's not a bad thing that would deserve to be punished. So when you're dealing with a completely different mentality from a completely different group of the country, which may even be the majority of the country, then what are you supposed to do? Um, 
But like another thing that I wanted to mention that, that I didn't mention last week, um, a couple of weeks ago, I got to meet your parents, man. It was dope. Uh, just meeting, yeah, yeah. talking to them. Uh, your dad has no inside voice, but that's okay. Um, no. <laughs> my dad is the type that if he was at a football game and everybody was cheering you could hear his voice distinctly like i'm telling you that's like not i'm not making that up that's like very true he said even when he was a kid people would say that same thing his voice stands out mm-hmm. i guess that works because he's a pastor you know so he needs that kind of like voice <laughs> yeah, to yeah, preach. yeah yeah no that's real that's real especially like the southern black pastor deal like he definitely got that down pat um, I was I can say that definitively, <laughs> but it was really, really good to meet your parents and whatnot. Just getting to know them, the Thomases. Uh, so appreciate y'all. I know y'all probably listening right now. So really do appreciate uh, y'all uh, stopping it, stopping in my house, you know, chopping it up and whatnot. Um, and we're going to get into something that may be a little controversial in the outro. Um, so and it, it is related to LeBron James and it is related to Space Jam. We're going we to get into that in the outro. But we are talking about your parents. And speaking of old people like we're having J.D. Wilson on today. Uh, Stop it. Uh, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> first of all, that was a double. <laughs> that was a double offense. Yeah, man. But but with that being said, we are having JD on to talk about uh, differences amongst generations. Um, I thought it was a great conversation. I thought that he 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 provided a lot of wisdom, a lot of insight. Man, uh, Ryan was not there uh, because for some reason he went to go pick up food. I, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm I'm actually like very upset that I wasn't able to be a part of the JD interview because jd is a great guy you know he's been in the community for years doing a lot of work like he's a he's a real ally i would say that and he's a you know he's a servant leader as well so shout out to jd i know you're listening to this man i sorry i missed your interview you know if you want to come back and we can kick darius off then you can do that too wow wow this is (laughs) just me and you all right this is news to me (laughs) But with that being said, J.D. is um, somebody who's often in the community. He's also a young adult pastor at Fellowship Memphis. If you are listening to this on Wednesday, um, if you are listening to this, that means that today there will be um, a a FYA event that will be at his house. You can you can follow that event if you go to at Fellowship Young Adults on Instagram at Fellowship Young Adults for more more information. So if you're a young adult in the city of Memphis and you want to like be ingrained in the culture a little bit and uh, get some leadership, discipleship, so on and so forth. This is a great opportunity to be able to do that. They are re-upping Fellowship Young Adults at J.D. Wilson's house today. So just be mindful of that. Without further ado, J.D. Wilson. Today on the podcast, uh, we got somebody who is a very, very special guest. Uh, Somebody who's a teacher, a preacher, a leader, uh, somebody who just does a lot of things well. Um, He allegedly can DJ. I'm not 100% convinced yet, but they said (laughs) that he can DJ. Um, All I know is that his name is DJ Backwards. I'm talking about my guy, J.D. Wilson. What's up, man? What up? What up? Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. It's so good to have you on the pod, for real. So you do a lot. It's just good that there's some white people on this podcast for once, because, you know, if there's (laughs) one group in America that needs... Little representation sometimes it's white males, so thank yeah, it's, you. It's, it's definitely uh Caucasian males, I, I 100% agree. <laughs> I mean, we had Emily Frazier on, but apparently that was not good enough for the masses. They said she was from Turkey, so it didn't work out. So, right, that's right. Yeah, we, we had to get you on for to get our uh plays up. So, <laughs> this would be our most streamed episode of all time. So, hopefully, it so, should be. Hey, I'm, I'm with it personally. <laughs> uh, but with that being said, man, you do a lot. Like, I don't think it's yeah. fair for me to kind of like say like what you do because honestly, I'm going to forget something. So I'm not even going to try. But can you like briefly like get people a rundown of like what you do and what you've done? 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm originally from Atlanta. We've been in Memphis for for 10 years now. And um, so I, I'll give some framework for why we do kind of what we do now. We, mm-hmm. we uh, our oldest and youngest kids, we have four kids. Our oldest and youngest kids came through adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, our oldest and youngest are African-American. Our middle two kids are biological and um, uh, white. And so uh, the nature of our family from the get-go kind of put us in um, from necessity, we, we need to be in different spaces to make sure that, that all of our family was represented. And so yeah. uh, it led to different choices about where we go to church. And so uh, we go to Church of Fellowship Memphis, which is a uh, relatively diverse church and mm-hmm. um, with minority leadership. And so mm-hmm. uh, for us, that was an important thing. And being in that space kind of put us in closer proximity to uh, other things that I, I would say professionally have always been passionate about. So I've always mm-hmm. uh you know, felt in some form or fashion, the need to work with kids and, mm-hmm. um, and, and people younger than me. And so uh, it led to me working, um, got introduced to the, to the people in Binghampton running the BDC. And so, um, worked in that environment doing, uh, kind of youth ministry, outreach ministry for, uh, five years or so. And then, um, from there left to work at visible music college, um, which is, uh, a, I'll say, you know, Christian music college uh, for kids. I mean, literally we had 11 different nationalities represented kids from 11 different countries in, in the school, wow. uh, all different musical styles and backgrounds. And my job there was to be the vice president of students. And so kind of, if you think about the Dean of students doing mm-hmm. kind of pastoral care for students and then sh- uh, shaping and, and molding spiritual life and, mm-hmm. uh, and kind of the student life side of things there. Um, so I, I did that while, um, while I started that position, um, um, opportunity came for me to work at Fellowship Memphis um, doing young adult ministry. And so kind of, uh, you know, for the purposes of today's conversation, like I would say that age group is roughly 20 to 35, we'll say. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, obviously working with college kids. So for the last five years, that's what I've been doing uh, until November. And so November uh, left visible and started working um, with the Memphis Family Connection Center and Empowered to Connect, which is uh MFCC is a, is a holistic therapeutic family care center. So treating, mm-hmm. um, do everything from occupational therapy to OT or to uh, physical therapy, to counseling, to parenting classes, to community outreach stuff, uh, uh, training for people who work with kids, um, who have experienced adverse childhood experiences, all that. So I, I work there doing community engagement and, uh, communications mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, married to my wife for almost 15 years. And, um, we sleep sometimes. <laughs> that's, that's the short of it. Yeah, that's the short of it. The conversation we're going to have today is kind of talking about the similarities and differences amongst like millennials and also like Gen Z. So like when I say millennials, I think that like a lot of people don't necessarily know what that means. Um, statistically, it means people who are roughly 25 to 40. Um, I think 25 to 39. Um, so that, that, that's what millennials are for, for you guys who don't know. Um, and then Gen Z is like obviously anything that's beneath that. Uh, but for, for the sake of this conversation, we're going to be talking about like roughly 18 to 24 year olds. Yeah. So with that being said, like, first of all, let's talk about this millennials thing. Like it's I feel like the the older millennials, uh, for lack of better words, uh, yeah. the older millennials, uh, those who are like 36 to 39 um, yeah. in comparison to like the quote unquote, or I, I probably would say like 33 to 39. Um, and in comparison to the younger millennials who are roughly um, 31 to 25, like I feel like they, they grew up in the most diametrically opposed yeah. worlds, like 
<laughs> in comparison to any other, literally any other generation. Like, yeah. how do you feel about that? Well, I, I think you could point to, uh, yeah, you could, you could point to one sort of time period in history that, that flipped that. And that's that, uh, let's see, I was a, this is going to date me. I, I do, I do like squeak into the millennial category mm-hmm. <laughs> 38. So mm-hmm. I do, I do kind of narrowly fit in there. Um, when I was a sophomore in college was when Facebook, uh, kind of first hit, it started sweeping. Now, I know it, it started, I think a year or two prior, but I think Oh four or so was when Facebook kind of got to, uh, Auburn where we were in, in college. And, uh, you know, in its original iteration, like Facebook and MySpace sort of shared a similar, uh, similar deal, which was, it was a social networking app. It, that's really where it ended. It, it was not what it is now where, where Facebook is sort of its own little universe, right? And mm-hmm. you can do everything from get abducted by placing an ad for the wrong thing, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, buy kids clothes or, uh, reconnect with an old friend. Like Facebook mm-hmm. now is a, universe unto itself. Whereas when it first came out, it was really like a digital yearbook. Like you could connect with people from different spaces um, in different times in life or whatever. And, you know, eventually gave you the opportunity to creep on people's photos and stuff. And so like when that started happening, um, it shifted. Now, the reason I bring that up is that my generation, like so the older millennials, we were already pretty well entrenched into that transition into adulthood when that hit. So our, our childhood and our most formative years were spent like maybe I, I know instant messenger was a huge thing for us. Um, and so we were on instant messenger a lot. We were, is it aim? Is uh, aim? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool, cool, so, uh, we were on aim a lot. We were, you know, might've been in chat rooms here and there, but mm-hmm. the, the dynamics of like cyberbullying and all that, it was super, super light. You might have an instance where somebody like prints out a conversation between two people mm-hmm. and then like, shares it somewhere else but there wasn't like a public forum for that to be put on display mm-hmm. so like cyberbullying and all that comes with that and different um you know having things liked or or reposted or uh, retweeted or whatever mm-hmm. none of that was in play when i was coming up mm-hmm. and so all that still stayed in the public sphere like in the in the real life sphere all of our social interactions like were you know, 85% of them were happening face-to-face in real life. And then it flips. So for everybody who was in, you know, I would say middle school, high school, when Facebook launched, and, and primarily I would say middle school, because that's when you're starting to really you know, be formed. Mm-hmm. Facebook developed so quickly and in it turned into a space where you were living your own entire life so quickly that like, mm-hmm. you know, the students that I was, that I, that I had it visible, they're coming in being able to look at what they posted on their wall when they were seven or eight, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think there's a couple different things that are in play there. So like they've spent their entire life curating their online space to look mm-hmm. exactly the way they want it to look. And to some extent, everyone does that, but there's, you know, American psychological association released a study. They do this every year, but the basically the, the stress level report and it, it shows levels of stress for different age groups, different generations, different, um, uh, ethnicities, um, mm-hmm. all that. And when Facebook launched, uh, is the highest period of anxiety among Gen Z, uh, that's been recorded. So mm-hmm. that was in, you know, about 2007 is when the social, um, fabric of Facebook really started to take off. Mm-hmm. And that was the highest level of stress ever recorded in this 
in this study in Gen Z. So um, mm. I think that that's one of the primary differences. Um, mm. And so when you grow up in Facebook world, in, in uh, online culture, um, you have the ability to see what you say, to see what you post, to see how you look, to see how all that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But you don't have that ability in real life. And so it skews the way that you live your life. And if you are somebody who um, cares intensely and you're, you're primarily obtaining your identity from what you see and how you're interacting with online, mm-hmm. um, you're doomed from that respect because you know you might be able to curate something right on your own feed, but then you step into real life mm-hmm. and you're not able to control that the same way. You can't backspace before you say something crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, those two things don't match up and that's when, you know, stress, anxiety, um, depression, different mental health mm-hmm. issues come into play. Yeah, that's good. And I think that, um, and, and just to add on to that, I think that like, in addition to that, like Facebook for the younger generations, uh, like, like, I guess you can say my, my generation is, is a little bit younger. I'm 30. Uh, yeah, but yeah. with that being said, like com- comparatively speaking, like for the younger generation, like it created like, I would say almost a, a culture of immediate gratification. Um, yeah. And you, you get that culture that's created, it, whether it be like through social media or through Facebook, or whatever you want to call it, or through day naps or anything like that, you get that immediate gratification. Then like people don't talk about the opposite end of that. When there is no gratification that is that's seen as like, you know what I'm saying? That's seen as, that's seen as rejection. Um, and people, right. people don't necessarily talk about that when they talk about this generation and like the suicide rates and stuff like that. So like, I think that that's like one of the major differences in just like the world that we grew up in. Like, and, and like you said, like a lot of face-to-face conversations. Um, now this generation like <laughs> has not only like not been able to have face-to-face conversations, like they yeah. also have been impacted by a pandemic where you can't like see <laughs> other people. So Totally. Well, and when any, any like generational study you look at, one of the factors that's mentioned is, um, like, uh, like historical milestone type events. And so for, mm-hmm. uh, millennials, um, one of the big things that's, that's talked about is September 11th. So mm-hmm. people can remember where they were when they heard about September 11th. Um, hurricane Katrina has talked about some with that, like there's sort of this period of time where there's a, a couple of milestone events that happen. And, and so when, when we talk about, uh, this generation, you know, especially those that are, that are, I would say high school, you know, the younger Gen Z, like, so high school to early college right now, I mean, they've, they've been on a roll. Like they've had five or six world changing Mm -hmm. events that have happened just in the last two years. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, one of the things that's really interesting in that stress report is that uh, 79% of Gen Z are, uh, more fearful of a mass shooting than they are any other type of catastrophe that would happen. Hmm. And if you think about why that would be, it's that the greatest number of mass shootings in the history of the world Mm -hmm. have happened in schools during the last 10 years. Hmm. And so uh, those kids are, are painfully aware because when we're, when we're seeing the news and we're seeing people run out of schools and all that, we might identify more with teachers. Obviously you, you are a teacher, but like you might identify more with those who are working in the school, but mm-hmm. all kids are seeing is this could happen right now, tomorrow. And, you know, we know the, the adult male brain isn't fully formed um, until 25. Uh, mm-hmm. Adult female brain is you know, formed a, a few years earlier than that, but mm-hmm. either way, it's not high school, right? So like you're, you're dealing with a brain that can't, can't fully make all the logical connections that it needs to mm-hmm. in real time 
processing information at the fastest rate in history. So like in 14 seconds, you and I could figure out how to eat gluten-free in Budapest at 2 a.m. if we were going to be there. We could also find out like uh, that, you know, so-and-so in my math class just posted the N-word on a meme like Mm -hmm. in in history. So like, you know, you're you're hit with these like real-time things all the time and it doesn't allow the brain to shut off. And, you know, you can... If you want to do the deep dive of looking at what blue light does and the the amount of time that uh, our brains are are on and mm-hmm. are really and are spinning every day versus what it was fifty years ago, mm-hmm. like you know the, the if if the estimates are right, like something's going to have to adjust for us in the next couple of years because we're just degenerating our our brains, like our mm-hmm. um, our ability to process information and to think creatively and freely is diminishing little little by little every year because of the fact that we're, you know, shining these blue lights in our eyes constantly, but we're also uh, less and less reliant on ourselves for information. We can get almost anything we need with the phone. So we don't really have to know problem solving skills, conflict resolution, all that kind of stuff is starting to diminish as well. So it's, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird time to be alive, a weird transition in history. Yeah. And it's definitely like, uh, just weird for like people who are like 25 and younger, just because like you said, like the prefrontal cortex is not developed by then. But right. the amygdala, which is the emotional portion of the brain, is developed by then. So yes. like, so yeah. it's like the perfect, it's like the perfect recipe for like things to like go go haywire. Um, well, and I, I mean, I think one of the things that I think about with that is so you know if if you're listening to this and you don't know how the brain works or all all the different parts like what Darius was talking about. So the amygdala is your survival response door, basically. So. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a survival response that, you know, it tends to be uh, either fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And so you, you mm-hmm. tend to move one of those directions when, sure. um, when your body is told that you're, you're in trouble. So when, when stress hits, when cortisol releases in your brain, your brain, and it's, this is a good, this is like biologically built into us for good, right? So like whether we are uh, being chased and somebody's trying to catch us and we need to get out for our own safety or, uh, you know, you're in a situation where uh, somebody might be breaking into your house, like you need that quick response to be able to shut down the logic brain and just think with your animal brain for a second. Um, and so when the amygdala goes up though, mm-hmm. uh, what, what ends up happening is it does cut off your logical brain from your survival brain. And so mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're not capable of accessing that logic brain. Now, the danger is when we encounter trauma at a young age, and this could be anything from witnessing something horrific to having something horrific happen to you. Like there's, there's varying levels of what qualifies as trauma, mm-hmm. but the dangerous thing about the, about the generation now that's coming up is, you know, we talked about Facebook a lot earlier cause it was kind of the gateway into this, this world. Mm-hmm. But now, um, you know, whether it's Snapchat, Instagram, uh, Twitter, um, or, or one of the dating apps, or you've got, you know, YouTube will, will obviously, YouTube tries to block really, really graphic content from, um, from its service. It doesn't always catch it, but then you've got separate video sites. That's their entire purpose is just posting shocking and graphic, uh, violent video, let alone, I mean, there's a whole porn universe too, which we don't, you know, is a different conversation for later on. But what that happens is when your brain sees those images, like it, 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 they're images that we were not intended as humans to have to see. Like we were not intended as humans to have to see uh, graphic beatings of people and graphic violent shootings of people. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, there's a separate conversation of when there are issues of justice, whether it's racial injustice in the video of George Floyd or where it was Ahmaud Arbery earlier or, you know, Mike Brown or whoever it is. 
Um, there's a, there's a whole conversation about whether or not we should share those videos. One of the arguments against sharing those videos is the traumatizing and the re-traumatizing mm-hmm. of people who are watching those videos. And so, for example, I have a 10-year-old. He's black. So mm-hmm. if, if he's watching videos of Tamir Rice, who's basically his age, being gunned down in a parking lot over and over and over again, mm-hmm. there is going to be a, a, a hardwired response in his brain to seeing mm-hmm. police pull quickly into a parking lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- those like who are listening who are black, like that's obviously, you, you know that and you're well aware of that, like that, that response heightens. What's important is that what's also happening in his brain is as that response gets a little bit more intense, the amygdala is flying up every time and he might pop up and run because of the fear of seeing them come in not understanding or not being able to fully process through, hey, I, if I take off and run, it's going to send a signal that they mm-hmm. might be scared. They might take off and run after me or shoot me because they think I've done something wrong. So that amygdala response is really important. Mm-hmm. And the younger and the more uh, the, the more exposed you are to violent stuff younger, the harder it is to control that because uh, your brain gets a little bit overdeveloped in survival response and and that that trauma can can get um, can be really disruptive. So, uh, the good news is what we know, there's a, a term and different people talk about it different ways, but, uh, there's a term called neuroplasticity. It basically talks mm-hmm. about how our, our brains are, are able to, to shape and mold and, and, and adapt and, uh, grow over time. Um, and that, that basically you can hear that about all the trauma and think, well, we're screwed. Like, we, what are we supposed to do? Like mm-hmm. if, you know, if I encountered a bunch of stuff when I'm younger and I know I'm messed up from that, I need to process it. Well, like, does that just mean that my brain is just jacked up? Well, no, thankfully we, what we do know is that the brain with repetition and with, you know, professionals helps. What we can do is our brains can rewire themselves. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. And one thing I just add is just, it's just that like in the examples of, uh, of police and the kid being re-traumatized. You also have like police who are being re-traumatized by things that they're watching right. as well. So it was like the perfect storm. So it was yeah. like, it is, I mean, it's, it's literally the perfect storm. Ryan, yeah. you should have been here. You should have stopped me, but you can't because you are not here. You can ask me <laughs> no questions about Black Panther. This is your fault. This is my lane and I'm gonna stay in it. Uh, but with that being said, if you guys cannot notice, Ryan is not here today. Um, so I know he asked, he asked the lighter questions at times, but hey, he is not here. So I would try to do some justice. Uh, let's pivot just a little bit um, because yeah. I think that uh, this is something that people would wanna hear your your opinion of being that you've wor- worked with young adults for so long. Uh, you're currently a young adult pastor and whatnot. JD, you were my you were, you were my young adult pastor. Um, you still yeah. are my young adult pastor. Um, yeah. And you were like one of the few people I talked to like before I proposed. Um, yeah. And one thing that you said was that, um, I don't feel like you're making an idol out of marriage. So that's why I that's why I can give you like the thumbs up to move forward. Like I don't feel, yeah. feel like you're making an idol out of marriage. Can you yeah. give me an example of what that kind of looks like? Because I think that a lot of people say that, but they don't really give good examples of, of what that looks like. Yeah, I mean, I think the the principle behind that is the grass is greener thought, right? So like for a lot of us as we get older, it, it could be marriage, it could be a you know a certain pay milestone or. Um, you know, a certain, a certain amount of debt free that you get or whatever. Mm -hmm. We tend to place supreme importance on things that can't handle that level of pressure. So marriage as is designed is never intended to in itself, like just bring you a reward by the very nature of what it is. Like Mm -hmm. there is uh, there's nothing that's inherently, um, supernatural in the 
in the power of, of getting married. Like you don't get married and all of a sudden snap out of your wandering eyes. Like you don't get married and all of a sudden snap out of your uh, judgy attitude or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like what, what Mary, a former pastor of mine used to say, uh, marriage is the joining together of two hopelessly sinful people trying to do something perfect. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. like, so what, what marriage really is, is this like collective agreement between two people that, you know, we're going to set aside um, all of our own selfish import, like our own selfish inherent desires. And we're going to, to lay those down for the sake of each other and for the sake of our, uh, like what, what we are becoming together, which is a family. And so that family now is going to take precedence over everything else in our lives. And that is hard as crap to do. Uh, right. and so what we, I think, you know, in, in this world, in the young adult world, like, like marriage, uh, relationships, um, kind of that, you know, the hashtag goal culture where like, mm-hmm. if, you, if you search hashtag goals, I bet 85% of those posts are about happy married couples, right? Mm-hmm. Because what, what a lot of us are wanting to get is that relationship where you feel safe, you feel secure, you feel loved, and you feel like, you feel like all of yourself can be uh, given to a person and that all of their selves can be given to you and that you're still both around once that happens. Right. Yeah. Our biggest fear for most of us is that once, once all of ourselves go out, uh, the other person's gone. Like once, once they see who I really am, I'm toast. Like they're not going to, this isn't going to happen. So I think what that, what that breeds is this belief that like, if I can just lock it down with somebody and get married. Like they, there's a, there's the idol of sex. Like, Oh, if, if we can just like, you know, le- I'm saying legally, like from a Christian standpoint, not from a legal standpoint with the law. Right. Like, if I can, if I can, that's not a good term. I won't use that term actually. Uh, if I can just have married sex without guilt, like, oh, that would be the best thing ever. So I've got to find somebody that I can do that with. Like, mm-hmm. then you're going to be disappointed, right? Because mm-hmm. at the very least, you might have awesome sex for years and years as a young person, eventually you're just going to get old and wrinkly and, and you're going to look kind of gross, right? Cause all we all eventually get old and, and less attractive except mm-hmm. for my wife. And so when we are like, <laughs> we are getting um, older, that side of your relationship is going to diminish a little bit. And so if the, if the heart level connection, the trust, the, the safety that's built between you two to be completely yourselves, if that's not established, then you're gone. If it's all based on, you know, uh, I get married to this person, like they're, they're killing it financially. And so I'll be able to drive a nice car and I'll be able to live in a nice, but like, we, we know how that ends too. So mm-hmm. when marriage becomes an idol for any one of those reasons and thinking that marriage itself is going to supply something that we're missing right now, like we get massively let down. Ron and I have uh, someone on, on our podcast It's called what's on your playlist. This is basically right. like, what are you listening to right now? So like as somebody who I know you're a huge music fan, uh, I'm pretty sure one of the songs that that we played at my wedding, like I, I heard from one of your playlists. Um, <laughs> so like I know that you're a huge mu- music fan. So tell me a few songs that you're listening to right now or even albums, whatever. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'll say this. My favorite hip hop artist right now is Toby Nwigway. Um, hey. I love him. He just released. I'm trying to find it. Uh, Cinco originals. Yeah, yeah, Cinco originals. But there's a there's a track on there with a uh, yeah, father figure with uh, mm. Royce to five nine uh-huh. and Black Thought. Black Thought, yeah. Black, Black Thought, like the uh, un 
I mean, unchallenged best freestyle artist of all time. Mm -hmm. And so when you give him time to write, like, I think he's one of the best lyricists ever. Same with Royce. Like they're, Mm -hmm. they're both legendary. And so to have all three of them on a track and then, uh, the track right before that uh, is called Bozos, and it's it's with Big Crit, Big Crit who's yeah. one of my favorite rappers of all time. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I mean, there's usually some ratchet stuff in there too. I, I, maybe maybe the most uh, maybe the most <laughs> ratchet recent thing is just. I mean, both both of the babies, like Little Baby and Da Baby, like have put out all of the <laughs> all of my favorite ratchet stuff in this last uh, in this last year um yeah it's it's a it's a it's an instagram story that you had a while back i I may have to find it um i don't know if i'll be able to find it but maybe you can find it of your family like vibing out to uh suge it was like when suge first came out (laughs) like the whole family (laughs) but jd man uh we really do appreciate you man i know ryan couldn't be here but he was really excited to have you on um i'm obviously excited to have you on uh we appreciate all that you do not only for um for us but for the community as a whole and all that you're going to continue to do uh but Real quick, can you shout out your podcast real quick? Because I think some people may be interested in it. Oh, yeah. So uh, I host a podcast for an, an organization called Empowered to Connect. It's called the ETC Podcast, the Empowered to Connect Podcast. Um, it's on all the different platforms, but uh, mostly centering on parenting um, slash uh, caregiving for uh, kids who've experienced early childhood trauma. So um if you heard the conversation about ACEs, uh, average childhood experiences, that's a lot of the the stuff we talk about. Uh, you, you're listening to Uncle Forum Podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, uh, leave a comment in the comment section. Let us know what you think about this episode. JD, we appreciate you, man. Yeah, likewise, man. Appreciate y'all. All right. Yep. Shout out to JD Wilson for coming on to the podcast and sharing all of that amazing, you know, knowledge. Glad. Uh, sorry that I couldn't be there, man. Seriously. Sorry I missed it. Uh, but we're moving on to this last segment to talk about what Darius now we're talking about Space Jam a new legacy um today is April 3rd and on April 3rd uh, LeBron James released a trailer to Space Jam a new legacy and there's some thoughts uh primarily from Ryan so go ahead well honestly I just had one thought and that was okay so Space Jam everybody knows that was Michael Jordan back Mm -hmm. in like the early 90s most of us were probably kids when it came out but it was just super dope, like the way they put his real life body into this cartoon world mm-hmm. and like did a whole movie like that. With this LeBron James version, I like it because one, they animated LeBron at one point and made him into a cartoon character. Then they put him into the animated world with his real body. And then after that, they transformed the cartoon characters from two-dimensional to three-dimensional so you just see like all of these this graphics man the graphics look great Mm -hmm. i think that's the main thing that got me excited just like i like movies with good graphics um and we don't know anything about it because like you said all we've seen is that one you know preview that was like two or three minutes long but i feel like lebron's gonna be a good actor i feel like he's about to make another billion dollars add that to his resume because this is gonna blow up and be crazy (laughs) <laughs> and so uh, so we do know a little bit about it and let me just read you this uh synopsis of the movie um playing a heightened version of himself lebron james struggles to relate to his son who, who's much more interested in creating games than playing them when his son's tech skills draw the attention of a C- cgi humanoid named aig rhythm the father-son duo gets sucked in, into the warner 3000 entertainment universe this is called server serververse <laughs> 
with the AI kidnapping LeBron James' son in hopes of stealing some of LeBron James' Instagram followers. Uh, <laughs> uh, and this guy is Don Cheeto, just to be clear. Don Cheeto doesn't consider um, AG a bad guy, uh, but rather an AI with a chip on his shoulder. Somehow that's supposed to be resolved by playing a basketball game. So that is the synopsis of this movie. And I have no idea what that even means. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I was tracking with it pretty well until you said that the reason, the motive behind this, <laughs> this humanoid thing for stealing LeBron James is to get Instagram followers. Take we, some, can, he, he, he just wants to take some of LeBron. Some of them. <laughs> Can we knock it off, please? Gosh, I don't like that part. I, I, I'll give you that. I don't like that part of the, but you know, we'll have to wait and see though, man. I, I, I want, I'm most excited about the actual basketball game versus, mm-hmm. is it the Monst- Monstars again? Or it, what? it is the know. Monstars again, yeah. Okay, so he's probably got the Monstars. Yeah, that's what I'm most excited about, just to be able to see that part. But uh, what are your thoughts all the way? I, 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 know you- I got some questions, man. I need some, qu- I got some questions that need answers. Um, and I just need to know, like, first of all, like, do kids watch Looney Tunes today? Uh, because that's why we mm-hmm. watch Space Jam, because we watch Looney Tunes. I do not yeah. believe kids today watch Looney Tunes. Uh, so, like, that's first of all, there, there's that. Um, second of all, like, um, I just read the synopsis. What? Uh, I still don't know. I still don't know. Third yeah. of all, um, this movie will show why Michael Jordan is better than LeBron James. Uh, those are <laughs> my thoughts on the movie. But with that being said, man, um, maybe we can have JD back on to talk about uh, differences in generations and how his gener or how, how his kids perceive the movie, uh, if they even watch it. But with that being yeah. said, man, uh, JD, man, shout out to you. Appreciate you for being on the pod again. Um, shout out, JD. If this is your first time following, or if, if you have not followed us, like, subscribe, follow. Uh, hit, hit us up on social media at Unconformed Podcast on Instagram. Proud to our podcast, man. Show us some love, and we will show you love back. Uh, with that being said, I'm Darius Watkins. Yep, I'm Ryan Thomas. Here we are.